Okay. Welcome everybody to uh, episode 11 of Voice, the voice of the international community experience. Uh, we've got a special guest in the house, Andrea Takanji, is it? Yeah, yeah, Without yeah. the end. Without Takaji. the end, oh, Takaji. Yeah, right, sorry. Oh, all right. <laughs> we're going like it's, uh, if you were African, there'd be an N in there. Yeah, so Takaji is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Royal Choquet, goes for $40,000 a bottle. It's a very expensive wine. Really? Is that is that? I'm top shelf. You you well. You are top we'll, shelf. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. <laughs> well, I'm forward to hearing for about now, this. we'll take your word for it, but later we'll discover just how top shelf you are, right? So, welcome to to episode eleven of our podcast. I'm here. Gomez here. Mm. Say what's up to the people, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, people? Yes. So as we as we was say, that it? Just what's up, people? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Oh, you you gonna say some more? No, I, hey, I could. Oh, give it to him. I'll give it to him. I'll okay. give it to him. Fair that's enough. it for now. Fair Welcome enough. to the podcast. Oh, nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. You yes. got such a beautiful smile. I love it. This is, I'm glad you sat <laughs> on that it's, side. It's amazing. It's vibrant, right? Yeah, infectious. So we're we're chatting today. I mean, the series we're getting into now is growing up ethnic. Uh, and growing up ethnic in Australia as a migrant, obviously. So, yeah, we just want to find out a little bit about your story, uh, what it was like for you going to high school, well, depending on what, what age you came to Australia, and, and then how you got into what you're doing now, politics and all that. And uh, I know there's politics. a little bit of controversy that happened in your in your time. We could talk about that as well. So I'll, I'll leave you to it. Just uh, give us a little bit of background and then we'll we'll dig in where we can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, so obviously I've got a very unusual last name. Yeah. Uh, it is Hungarian, but I was born in Transylvania. And no, that is not Pennsylvania wow. in America. Romania. No, 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 no. It's, that's right. Oh, yeah. we, we know Transylvania very that's much. So cool. That's that's where Vampire or Dracula comes from, isn't Dracula, it? Dracula, man. Exactly, yeah, my great great grandfather. Oh. Mm-hmm. Was it Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so uh, we lived under communist Romania. Ceausescu was yep. our dictator. We were on food rations. We were persecuted for our faith and ethnicity. Wow. And dad said, I've got enough. Okay. I've had enough. Let's get out of here. Okay, what was your faith? Christian. Ah, right. Yeah, so I mean, all religions are criminal under communism right. because under the communist ideology yeah. government becomes god the state is owns you owns really? your time your money your energy everything so we used to go to school and work six days a week on yeah. the seventh day you had to do parades for your dictator oh, to show him wow. you loved him you went to school six days mm-hmm. and worked and to work at what age so I, I grew up, I was born there, obviously, mm-hmm. but I just went to kindy and year one in Romania. So uh-huh. we came out when I was seven. Right. So you weren't working Romania. at seven, though? My mum was. Okay. Yeah. She was working at seven or she, she was, was working when you were seven? She was working at seven. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing what about kind of communism yeah, sorry. is that the first thing they do is kill the free thinkers. So academics, yeah. entrepreneurs and, and businesses. Yeah. Owners. So what they're trying to do is control the narrative. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why I'm in politics today. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because 
obviously given our background, I'm so passionate about human rights. I became a human rights lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then just kind of fell into politics accidentally in Canberra. Mm-hmm. So I was, I've been working in politics and law in Canberra for the last 12 years. Wow. And I've only been here for a year. Well, in Perth, yeah. Mm. yeah. I think I met you when you arrived in yeah, Perth. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So a few months in, I was approached by one of the major parties to run as a candidate uh, mm-hmm. this past WA election. And, uh, yeah, I said no at first, but they convinced me. Mm-hmm. And because I exercised freedom of speech, uh, they disendorsed me. Say more. Y- yes. Say more about that. What do you mean, disendorsed you? And what you did you say <laughs> to <laughs> And do you still believe it? Yeah, look, we've jumped from, like, communist Romania yeah, it's in the 80s yeah, to, like, 2021. Yeah. You know what? It's no. so similar. It is, right? <laughs> yeah. We can, we can always go back and fill in the gaps. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm really interested yeah. in what, what did you say that was so controversial to get you... What is it? What do you call it? Disendorsed. Yeah, that's mm. what they call By it. By the way, I just need to... We, we write down certain words on the show and that... You can Google it later. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know what it's meant. So I was campaigning for the Liberal Party for six months in Bandaitis. And uh, so, as you know, political parties run on factions. Yeah. So a certain faction is running the party at the moment. certain faction put Zach Kirk up as leader Mm -hmm. during the election. Yeah. For political reasons, right? They've got an ideology and agenda they want to push internally within the party. Okay. So that faction didn't particularly like the fact that, you know, I'm loud and proud. i got opinions. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, walked to the beat of my own drum. I've been campaigning politically for 14 years. I know what I'm doing. I've got opinions. And I ask questions. Oh. And so they found a article, an opinion piece that I wrote back in April 2020, you mm-hmm. remember when we're all in shutdown, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, whole yeah. world is like, what is going, going on? Going on, yep. I'm an academic. The way I dealt with it is I researched and read, researched and read, and of course I went down a few rabbit holes. Rabbit holes, holes yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking and writing turned into a 3,000 word opinion piece. Oh, Jesus. And so the title of it was, why mm-hmm. are our fears of coronavirus undermining our freedoms? Okay. And asked this question and proposed, you know, this scenario where, given my background, refugee kid from communist Romania, mm-hmm. all of our rights and freedoms were taken from us and government dictated where we went, yeah. what we did yeah. and how we did it. We couldn't really have a choice around how we spent our time, our money. So under communism... The government owns you and controls you. Yeah. And so under COVID, I had real concerns about the dictatorial style leadership that was taking place. Right. Was lockdown justified? We had zero, we still have zero, thank God, cases of community uh, transmissions of COVID here in Perth. Yeah. So how legally is that justified to put a whole state under lockdown where businesses are losing tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars a week? Mm. Revenue. So, do you reckon? Uh, let's hear. Let's hear more. I want to. So, go on. Okay. Go on. Tell us more because we haven't got to the controversial bit yet. Put in your box. I know. <laughs> I, 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 I just. I just don't want to lose track of this story because it's an the amazing story. Story is coming, but I just. I just want to make sure that you know. At the end of the day, we we have the T word which we use in here 
quite often, which is trauma. Oh, yeah. Trauma, trauma, whatever it is, right? So trauma, at, at the end of the day, um, would your, your upbringing and that, that community have played a large part in your thinking in those moments, which is basically what you said. But is that, do you reckon there's a bit of trauma there? I think I'm hyper-vigilant to yeah. these issues. Okay. But given that I did most of my schooling from year two, so I arrived in Australia not knowing a word of English. I couldn't even say hello. Ah, right, yeah. But obviously, thrown into ESL and Look had to quickly now, learn. Eh? That's right, law now. professor in training. <laughs> you speak fluent Australian. Yes. So, She'll be right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we can get back on track now. Yes. Opinion piece, 3,000 words, all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily trauma, but it's definitely uh, hypervigilance. Okay. And so perhaps I see these things before others do because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And given my training in human rights law as well, okay. I'm hypervigilant to violation of freedoms and rights on the common person. Yeah. And I think that's okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just say, in terms of trauma, hypervigilance is one of the biggest signs post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so it could be that maybe not, it may not feel like trauma, but the fact that you're using the word hypervigilance quite often says to me there's potentially some of that going on, but that's irrelevant. He's a counsellor. I want to hear more about this. So, <laughs> but so, so you're concerned during COVID times about mm. the businesses losing out on money, and so your piece was suggesting what? Ask the question, are our fears right. of coronavirus allowing government to take our freedoms, basically, mm. to undermine our freedoms? Okay. And so for me, I proposed looking at where COVID came from, originated, what its purpose was. And I just had this picture of Trump going, the China virus. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to be real. And part of the conversation is not everyone's telling us everything and not yeah. everyone's telling the truth. The government never does, though, and that's and that's the thing. I think they give us just enough information for us to keep going without without. But there's always a lot of secrets and a lot of agendas and all that stuff within them. They make deals to pass bills and all of this stuff, which we're not privy to. But I'm happy that we're not privy to that stuff because often, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for my day to day. Sure. On one hand, ignorance is bliss. On the other hand. The agenda that's being pushed is for the purpose of making profit, right? Yes. And so follow the money trail. Who's mm-hmm. making big bucks at the moment from all of this trauma? Mm-hmm. Uh, not not counsellors. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, supposed so, to. And why? What is the bigger picture? What is the purpose of it? Mm. The clencher that got me into trouble is I asked the question of why 5G technologies were being rolled out while we're all in under lockdown, no one's talking about this new technology mm-hmm. that has potential adverse harmful effects to our health and environment that we don't yet know about. Okay. Studies haven't been done. Scientists, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't fully understand the long-term adverse effects of this technology. And we know that this is military-grade uh, technology. And it's out in the community. It's next to the bedroom window of the little baby next door. Are we okay with that? And if that's affecting us, attacking our immune system, then of course we're going to be more susceptible to other harmful diseases such as the COVID virus. Are you okay with 
Am I okay with what? The rollout of 5G technology. I'm not okay with our government not being transparent about what they're doing. And having that conversation with us. We never get a choice about where it goes up. Right. Are we okay with it being outside the primary school window where children are affected because they sit there for six hours a day? Yeah. So is this... I don't know too much about the technological side of things. I mean, I worked in IT for 15 years, but on the human <laughs> side of things. Clearly, it wasn't a good one. No. <laughs> I was good at what I did, but I wasn't good at the technology side of things. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I'm hearing is potentially a theory that connects the lockdown or the vaccine and all that kind of stuff to this technology. So there seems to be a suggestion that it wasn't necessarily coincidence? I don't think many things are a coincidence in life, really, particularly when money is involved. But Uh the purpose of the opinion piece was to ask the questions. So I posed some questions Uh because no one else is asking questions. Mm -hmm. And I was putting it out into our community saying, this has not been a democratic process. Yeah. 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 And no one's actually asking the tough questions and we're not having a public conversation about these things. Instead... We're literally just accepting what the government's telling us to do. And isn't that the reason why mm. Mark McGowan was re-elected? Because we all trust him, Mr. 99%. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, that, that's what he ran on. Uh, just, to, I think obviously his success was, was really based on how he handled the coronavirus. Absolutely. Um, mm. And how you know, safe he made us and all of that stuff. So I think they managed to convince us that they were making us safe and that's why we were under that level of lockdown. But we don't know what else was going on in the background. So to be frank, probably I'm, I'm glad you were a martyr and you threw yourself over the thing and asked the question because the rest of us were just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just sit at home. Oh, right yeah, now. put a time off. What, 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 what I got to do? Right, okay. Yeah, see, Put in a little bit of Tom Kiva or whatever it was. Yeah. But, you know, the, the other people what were affected were obviously migrants and international students and everybody else because they, they weren't getting job seeker or job keeper That's or right. anything like that. I didn't so get it. They had to... Uh, I did. <laughs> did you buy a new car? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, my god. Shiny little red number out yeah. outside. At the front. I'll show you off. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yeah. So, so a lot of people are thankful and a lot of people are happy with what happened. Which is, a, you know what, at the end of the day, it benefited a lot of people. But I'm glad you... you uh, Why are you glad? Why are you glad, Daniel? I'm glad she asked the question. Because oh. because she was on the opposite yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. You know, gotcha. I, I wasn't thinking about that. I, yeah. Somebody said to me before about 5G technology and all this stuff. And all I'm thinking about is higher speed internet. But I've also thought about, but for what? At what cost? Like, we got ADSL too. So we just went on. There is a Christian perspective, and I don't know where if this is where you're coming from. Christian perspective on the internet. Yeah, on the five G technology. I didn't know about that. Well, okay. So let me school you. What does quick. the Bible say about five G internet? <laughs> so, tell me. Turn to Revelation real quick. Turn your Bibles with me to Revelation. Yeah. So there's there's a theory that Revelation speaks about the end times and kind of these apocalyptic times. Yeah. And the mark of the beast in particular, uh-huh. which is about being able to imprint some kind of technology. And technology doesn't mean, you know, IT. Technology mm. is just yeah, yeah, the yeah. latest way of getting things done quicker. Yeah. Um, 
And Revelation speaks to this about people in the last times getting the mark of the beast. Mm. And people are suggesting that the vaccine is the way of doing that. And 5G network was another way of doing that. Oh, right. So people or... Christians. Priests. Christians. And, oh, okay. How Christians. does 5G technology initiate the mark of the beast? I don't understand that connection. Neither do I. Oh, okay. Oh, so you just just, just don't kill the messenger. Just, <laughs> so, just saying that okay. there is there is a so, lot of conspiracy so you theories in the Christian church around five G technology, okay, as well as the vaccine. So the you COVID mentioned five G might lower our immune system, and then the vaccine is imp- imprinting the mark of the beast. Uh, so if everyone is forced to have this mark mm-hmm. or the vaccine, yeah. And we are essentially fulfilling revelation. Oh, okay. There's a lot happening out there. See, that's what I'm saying. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I'm just, I don't have to deal with all of this stuff in my head. I can just think about the stuff that I need to do and the stuff that's, that, that my family needs and just do that. Otherwise, I want to get back to that because uh, you said that earlier. Yeah. And you referred to, you know, we were happy about what Mark McGowan did to us. You know, this is what frustrates me in politics, right? Yeah. Uh, the majority of voters are quite fickle in the way they vote. So, yes. for example, he looks like a successful person. He looks like a strong leader. He or she um, appears intelligent, whatever. Yeah. I heard that someone once didn't vote for Tony Abbott because he had big ears. I yeah. mean, if people are voting based me. on <laughs> <laughs> superficial appearances, um, there's a problem. But also... If we are so quick to be manipulated by government by yeah. just accepting their Skittles, you know, they're yep. handing out Skittles, lollies. Mm-hmm. Here you go, here's some yep. lollies. Skittles are so good, though. They're but so colourful. they're putting us into debt. They're putting your children, future generations into debt. Mm. Skittles come as a, at a cost. It looks fun at the moment. Yeah. Your brand new shiny red number downstairs mm. looks great at the moment. But no, how many billions of dollars did we get into debt as a nation during COVID yeah. because of our Skittles? And who's going to pay that back? And who's going to keep the government accountable? Hopefully to- it's my children's children. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, You're just thinking, me. you know, Daniel. <laughs> I just want to have a good time until then, and then yeah, they can no. deal with it. No, 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 no that's that's not right, though. I, I, I do, you have, I, you I do have a question though, because I feel like we were asking a lot of questions. Can we can we answer some of them? So, why or how do you think we should be voting? Making educated, informed decisions. That's, Which means say more. Yeah, so, sorry. Go on. Just my experience in politics, that's never been in any country anywhere where that is the narrative when it comes to an election or politics. Yeah, Being African, you know, the party that the ruling party at the time just rolls out close to elections, starts giving people money on the streets, giving them T-shirts, buying them them all kinds of stuff, buying them wraparounds, which we call chitengues. They buy them that with the president's face on it, and then all of a sudden it's it's go time. They get elected, and then but they, that's what and it then, is. And then they rig the election. Yeah, <laughs> they rig anyway. the election, and then the, the people struggle for the next eight years and just do it all over again. I just heard from a colleague. He's from South Africa. Yeah, and uh, an international the International Monetary Fund IMF gave South Africa 
$20 billion yeah. uh, to set up hospitals and roll out mm-hmm. vaccine, it's almost all gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They not pro- into the resources. It they was probably used for. about two billion to do something, maybe, and then eighteen billion was siphoned into all yeah, kinds so of stuff. But that's African politics, right? Yeah. No, that's corruption. That's so African over here, African politics. <laughs> it's corruption, and over here we do still have corruption in politics mm. to a lesser extent, and look, to a less to a less obvious extent. That's right. Mm. Mm. Because we have those checks and balances. We have separation of powers. Yeah. But you're talking to someone who, obviously, my parents never got to vote. Yeah, yeah. It, under a communism, there was never an election. You know, okay. dictatorship is just dictatorship, right? Yeah. So I suppose that's why I'm even more so passionate about the fact that we've got democracy here, let's protect it. Yeah. And let's be part of it. Mm-hmm. So making informed decisions as a voter is the first step. Mm-hmm. Get to know lo- your local member. So the suburb that you live in right now, there's someone elected representative that literally is your voice in parliament. You've elected them. You are their boss. You yeah. have hired them with your taxpayer money to represent you in parliament. Can I tell you my experience of that? So I'm from the Swan District. So my member of Parliament when I lived in Dayton was Christian Porter. Yep. And we go uh, there? <laughs> hey, we're going to go there. So my first experience was as a councillor starting my own business, trying to get access to him um, because he kept sending me these emails going, you know, meet for a coffee and tell me the things that bug you in the kind of yeah, district yeah, yeah. and I'll sort them out. I'll take them to Parliament. So I was Is like, that All before right, the election? Ain't nobody talking to me after. So I was like, all right, cool, cool. I sent about six emails and I got nothing back. Mm. And recently I've heard about my restraining order you got. Christian Porter. (laughs) Isn't he involved in some Mm -hmm. sex scandal, controversy, rape charge thingy? Oh Jesus. Yeah, so a few months ago it it came out. Christian Porter, who's our current Attorney General, Liberal City Federal Member, Mm. um, he was discovered seeing prostitutes and he's married. Oh, wow. So that was the first kind of information that came out. Female or male? I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't wonder know the details. To be honest <laughs> with you, I just uh, <laughs> no, I'm not, it's, female, it's, but you can never assume these things. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, mm. yes, this allegation was exposed by the media. Mm. Uh, so what happened was um, some documents arrived at his office. Yeah, and then he uh, sent them to the police, thinking they were sensitive. And it was an allegation. But unfortunately, the situation is very um, sensitive because the alleged victim has taken her own life after writing her statement to the police. Oh, wow. And so now Christian Porter is suing for defamation. Suing the deceased company or the media okay talked about the allegations because um, this is the one thing she's not here now to, to corroborate her story though, that's right. right i mean you know it, it any criminal case depends on evidence right mm. and this is a problem with um not only these type of allegations first issue is are these uh, alleged perpetrators then condemned by court of public opinion but secondly, how does that process then taint the actual criminal procedure? 
on hearings within the you know judicial system yeah so it's huge problems with all of this you know going to the media first but sometimes victims alleged victims feel that's their only option yeah true I think, you know, because at the end of the day, even if he doesn't get convicted, at least he'll have a stain on his... on his. Uh, I th- I'm thinking that's what a victim would think. Well, this is more than a stain. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. But he'll so, have it better. So, you, so you essentially you were saying, go to your MP. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take a no on that? <laughs> yeah, but you see, yeah. But, okay, now we're, you we're talking... Yeah, <laughs> you tried to go there. So, But look... I think we're, we're talking a little about politics at the minute, but we yeah. didn't get to have a, lo- a long chat about your 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 move from Romania or Hungary uh, to, uh, to here, and then just what transpired. So what was it like in kindy or year one, and what, was, what were your parents like? Because they obviously had to adjust to um, to raising you in this new environment. So what was that like for you? What was her parents like for you? What was the move like for you? Yeah, and the what transition was, it like was for your parents? traumatic. Yeah. 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 Definitely yeah. use that word, traumatic. Mm. Yeah. So we, under communism, we escaped. There was a threat of treason. Oh, so wow. if we were found, we were shot on sight. Jesus. So we had to go into hiding. And remember the movie Sound of Music? Literally, same car, same border. Mm. We escaped from Transylvania, which is in Romania, into yeah. Hungary. Hungary okay. wouldn't accept us, so we then tried to escape into Austria, yeah. which is the whole Sound of Music thing. So in the middle of the night, we got caught. And can you do a little Sound of Music? Just because, uh... <laughs> the hills are alive with the sound of music. <laughs> Love it. I've never watched Sound of Music so Wow. <laughs> this, that's amazing. That just took but me come, back. Come on, don't listen yeah, yeah. to him. No, no, he'll distract no, you that from was great. That was great. <laughs> I'm yeah. probably singing to this mic at the moment, but anyway. No, but that was amazing. So here we are, young family, two small kids, parents, who dad ostensibly told mum he's taking us on holidays. He didn't tell anyone his plans. He couldn't. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. after our holiday, which was, um, you know, two-week little uh, stint down at the Black Sea, mm-hmm. we went into hiding. Uh, we were caught and interrogated, threatened with treason. It was very traumatic. Oh, wow. Dad finally bribed us into Austria. We were Mm -hmm. there for six months in a refugee camp and then we applied as political refugees. Refugees to come here? Yeah. Mum chose, in all her wisdom, Australia. Nice. It sounds close enough to Austria, so... (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, so so you got asylum before you arrived in Australia. So it wasn't that you... Jumped on a boat or an air and no, then no, just, we got flew off. over. The yeah, government yeah. sponsored our flight okay, over brilliant. here. Yeah. We went through Villawood Detention Centre. We were yeah. there for three months. We were taught English, had yeah. our you know, health checks, and then it was Sayonara, sister. Oh, okay. There were no refugee programs back in the day, so we yeah, were just on yeah. our own. Did yeah. you have any friends growing up back in Romania? We left everything and everyone behind. Mm. So for me, as a going on a holiday under yeah. the guise of going on a holiday. Mm. Sorry, what was your question? So you left under the guise of going on a two-week holiday That's right. yeah. and That's never right. came back. That's right. And from your perspective, as a seven-year-old, you were going on a two-week holiday. Mm. 
and never to come back. Yeah. Well, you know, parents in that situation don't really talk to their kids about what's going on. That's what, what was that like for you, though? Well, I, I did a experience a lot of trauma as a uh, child, obviously, throughout that whole process. Mm. And um, But for me and for our whole family, it was about survival. So when we came here, it was about learning English, trying to find a house, trying to find work. I want job, mm. you know, like yeah, 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 yeah. Is that, and <laughs> so is that what your dad said? Can, can you do that again? That was brilliant. I want a job. Right. <laughs> so mum's uh, registered nurse certificate wasn't recognised over here, oh, so wow. she obviously had to take lesser roles and, and yep. dad was the same, you know, the struggle in trying to find work in his profession mm -hmm. and learning all the technical names and tools as a panel beater mechanic mm -hmm. was a struggle. Yeah. And then not having any family here and the currency is different, the procedure is different. I mean, one funny story. So, you know, dad says he'll take me to school. Mum's like, make sure you drop her off in the classroom and introduce yourself to the teacher. He's like, she'll be right. <laughs> So, you know, he was Aussie way before we came She'd here. Be right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I get home from school. Mum's like, how was school? I'm like, uh, okay. Well, what did you do? Mm, just, you know, a bit of colouring in. She's yeah. like, well, wh I, what do you mean? This is, you know, you need to study hard, you know. We're in a new country where you have to work hard. We escape for you. What you do for us, you have to make us proud. Great. Is, is, anyway. that, a, is that a narrative for you growing up? Mum, mm. right. we've later found out. My parents later found out that my that day at school was mm -hmm. a public holiday. I was stuck with a cleaner all day. <laughs> we work six days a week in Romania. There's no such thing as public holiday. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so the cleaner's got you. You think it's colouring in the paint? He's actually got you painting the school with it. <laughs> I was colouring in the walls. Oh man! What Child labour. Let me How tell you. The hell? Is it Christian Porter? <laughs> it's, you, you, you know what? It's, <laughs> oh, yeah, good old Christian's in trouble now. But look, I think the narrative you're explaining is the same narrative that would happen for a child coming from Africa, coming from, from China, is that their parents are saying, look, we did this for you. Absolutely. Now you go out there and you do us proud, yeah. right? So some of the students coming in from Africa would have dad sold a house, uh, give you some money, you come here, now you have to work, pay your fees, send some money back, do all of that stuff, right? And that's just what happens year, yeah, year after right. year after year after year. People are coming in with that same that's narrative. Right. So that is, that is a huge burden for a child to carry. It's life. It's I was told that my parents are like, what are you going to do for a career? It's mm. a huge burden. I was stressed about it every day. I took it seriously because of my personality and character. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, these things were extremely serious to me and I decided at 14 what I was going to do. And I've been accused of being an overachiever many times. I've got, you know, degrees in theology and psychology and I've got two masters of law. I'm doing a PhD in international Welcome human to the rights club. law. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> and, and, you know, I've worked for the thing. Attorney General of the United Nations. I've run my own not-for-profit human rights organisation in Australasia. And for me... All I feel by like the I age have, of 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I still feel like I don't haven't done enough and I haven't made my parents proud. Because 
we touched on success before. It's never enough. What are those milestones? You know, um, if you throw yourself into your career and your studies, then mm. you don't have time for the family. Can, can, so I t- can I tell you what success is to your parents and the day your parents are going to say you've really done well? Probably when you make a lot of money. Are you suggesting she doesn't now? No. But he's right. <laughs> it's just money. I'm a PhD. It's not, it's oh, it's not, not a, a lot of money. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, I'm yeah. not saying that. What I'm saying is that for parents, they just want to see you wealthy. That's when they'll be like, you're, you're successful. You're successful. Or rich. Then they'll be like, okay, that's it. For my mum, it's a little bit different because mm. I'm the only girl. Yeah. And, you know, Man, my little just, daughter. Yeah. When you get married, when you have children, Andrea, you're so old now. Mm. So you're not married? No so kids? How do you prioritise that Africans in amongst the... Africans you know. are the same. So what, what does success look like for you? Well, I mean, this is a daily wrestle and struggle, I think, for a lot of us. Because for me, personally, I do have a strong faith. And for me, success is the stuff that character and integrity and faith and trust and kindness and generosity is made of. Mm. Society doesn't measure that stuff. No, not even your parents. Parents and society measures how big is your house and mortgage. You know, mm. how many degrees mm. do you have? How much do you have in the bank account? What is mm. your yearly wages? But what is your title at work? All those things. How red, is your <laughs> how red and shiny. <laughs> how red and shiny is your brain? So, well, tell, tell me about your um, tell me about your addictions. What are you addicted to? I'm addicted to making sure that I'm a better person tomorrow than I was yesterday. What are you actually actually addicted to? And the reason I ask that question is because I feel like it's not sustainable to manage the level of achievement and trauma and all this stuff that you've got going on without having some kind of escape. You know you've got the same thing going on. I know, that's why I'm... Yeah, so I think I think you need to identify that you... He's had a similar experience growing up He's to transferring. You. No, no, I, I, I'm, happy, so I'm, he's, I'm happy to speak about he's my addiction. For, for a trauma buddy, you know? <laughs> I am looking for a trauma buddy. How do you manage the... I guess the stress, the pressure. You said you're stressed out all the time. There's people putting pressure on you in terms of expectations. I put the most pressure on myself. Uh-huh. It's not coming from anyone else. I think a lot of it is perceived pressure. Mm, When we think about the pressure that young people feel Mm -hmm. to look a certain way or to be a certain someone Mm -hmm. sexually or otherwise, this is a pressure they're putting on themselves. And we need to break those, you know, really toxic strongholds Mm. that we hold onto in our minds because the battlefield really truly is in the mind. When we convince ourselves that we aren't good enough and we're never going to achieve what we aspire to, how are we yeah, going to Yeah, that could be crippling. It could be very, very crippling. So how do, you, how do we break that? Um, I think the way I did it, and I only did it, I did it now through golf, right? Because I wanted to be so good at golf, but it was, I only got to a certain point and then I'd get levels of, it was probably my first experience of anxiety, because I'd be winning and then I'd get so excited that I'd be winning. I'm so close to my goals and all this stuff. And then I'll stuff up the, re- the, the, the next four holes. Self-sabotage. Right? Yeah, so I'll self-sabotage. So it was almost like I had a fear of, of, of success. Of success. Mm. 
right? So I'm anticipating all of this and then it's causing a lot of, you know, toxins to go through my body and everything now, all the dynamics, the things that I do very easily now become hard. And I had to just do it by by doing some meditation and some, mm. some, some relaxation exercises when mm. that thing comes, when it comes on. I just had to be, to calm myself down and just execute. And it's repetition. It doesn't yep. happen one time. I need to put myself in that situation multiple times and then use that same exercise to bring myself down. And I've been winning ever since. Great. That's awesome. Mm. Self-sabotage so. and uh, fearing success mm. is real. It really it is It is, real. isn't it? And you have to overcome it. You have to come to the point where you respect yourself enough to say I'm worth it, yeah. I am good enough, yeah. and I deserve this. That's, that's what it is because to, to be a politician or to put yourself into a situation where somebody will vote for you to become a representative... Or reject you, you time and time again. But that's what I'm saying. You yeah. have to believe that you are that change agent that they need, right? So the, the belief has to come from Deep yourself in. first before they can now vote you in, which is, you know, if you have a fear of success, you won't even put yourself in that situation. That way. Mm. I'm thinking anyway, but I don't know. Mm. I might be something. I might be wrong, but that's how I look at it. You're a counsellor. What do you I think? Don't, I don't think your opinion can ever be wrong. <laughs> okay. No, but <laughs> no, <laughs> what else are you expecting me to say? <laughs> no, but it, it's it, it's it's whether it makes sense or not. You know, it's not right or wrong. It's whether there's mm. there's there's resonates. With yeah, you whether there's a point or no yeah. point, or you know, you think it, you it makes sense what you're saying. I I just feel like, and you know, I feel like a, a broken record saying this is that when you're dealing with people that are traumatized mm. that people that have PTSD and struggle with those kind of things what you guys are talking about is not that accessible it's mm. not easy for them to think about um, just grounding myself or it's not necessarily easy for them to think about just just doing this or just doing that because their brain is wired very very differently mm. their brain is wired to find all the reasons why they cannot and yeah. so in that context you almost need community you need other people that give a shit about you that can feed into your life and say listen yeah. you are worthy in those moments when you're feeling unworthy and mm -hmm. feeling like i'm not good enough um it's good to have people around you that can remind you of your worth and so, because it's not always i struggle myself to you know always tap into my sense of self-worth and all this kind of stuff and i know who, who to reach out to in those times and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm feeling a bit shitty at the moment and yeah. goes you know you're fine good and I'm back on the yeah horse yeah. kind of thing so that's interesting I'm so a huge believer in cognitive behavioral therapy I worked in that space for a while and the, the theory is very important so our behavior leads to our actions therefore if we don't like what's going on in our you know actions or choices in life let's analyze and assess the behavior mm -hmm. obviously those behaviors come often from deep-rooted ideas about who we are and who the world is or who other people are yeah so breaking down those ideas is really important and rebuilding them without the breaking down the lies and rebuilding the positive truths mm -hmm. you can't actually break free you can't move on and there's the thoughts in there as well so you know mm. it's the behaviors the thoughts and then the actions but 
CBT. I struggle with CBT. I do like it in some context, but I struggle with it for that very reason that not everyone has the capacity in the moment to be able to dispute those automatic self-negative beliefs. But that's why I think that, like, I need something outside of myself to believe in. So my faith is so important Mm. because I believe in a God that is just and kind and generous. He gave his own son to die for us on a cross. And I'm created in his image. Therefore, if he has so much worth and value for himself, he has placed worth and value on me, that's what I look to as my mirror, not my own rubbish self-talk and disappointments (laughs) and mistakes and failures because obviously I fail every time. But I'm looking externally, Mm. you know, to a more perfect, pure, true mirror of who I want to become instead of who I am right now. How do you marry the theological side of things and the politics? I think let, me, let me be more specific. So in terms of um, thinking about a God who cares about the world and all this kind of thing, do you believe in a predetermined kind of narrative? And if so, does it matter what we do from a voting perspective? Wow, you went there. Mm. I went there. Okay. So in theology, this is called predestination. It is. And we're also dealing with issues of prophecies. Mm. Uh, So prophecies uh, come about through various sources, Um, some legitimate, some illegitimate. Mm. Uh, So if there is a predetermined story about how our life or the world's, you know, story is going to be played out... Mm what influence do we have in Mm. all of that? So Mm -hmm. you're dealing with, first of all, free will choice, second of all, the sovereignty of God. So this wrestle between sovereignty and divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Where is that balance? Mm. Well, through free will, each individual has human responsibility. We can, yes, take the path we've been given, the positive one, or we can just totally trash it and make a dog's breakfast, not only of our own lives, but, of course, it has adverse effects into our community and Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. With divine sovereignty, I believe that God is in control. He is divine. He's got this. But it's a mystery. We don't know and we're not meant to know if we knew then we would be godlike right Mm. so there's this complexity between who i am my human responsibility but Mm -hmm. where i meet this divine presence or uh, influence in my life so yeah it's a dance it's a relationship it's a conversation and that's why prayer meditation Mm -hmm. that's why you know community of faith believers and talking about this and wrestling it out because it's not a cookie cutter you know fit for purpose kind of um formula yeah every case by case scenario is totally different how how does covid fit into this from a yeah, predestination look, perspective. And and how does, you know, Nazi Germany fit into this? Yeah. And communist at, Romania. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the plague and all the mm. stuff that's been happening since, you know, yeah. since time immemorial. I think, you know, all of these challenges are introduced into our lives for us to appreciate what we have more, but also to tap into the wisdom of the people that 
that are around us that have experienced other things to make our lives and our decisions easier going forward. And it's, you know, it's it's one thing to feel like, okay, I'm godlike and, you know, I have to manage all of this stuff myself than to tap into your your network or your community mm. and then and then figure out you know they they hit, say hit the they, v spot yeah what's the what's the piece of vulnerability oh yeah okay um he, he could do with more <laughs> no no but that that's so from from a community perspective and from a tapping into wisdom this is where I feel like this society fails because they they discard o- older people and the community oh, is so not agree. is not that connected yeah, in that. So, so there's no wisdom that's that's actually coming down the the, the pipeline mm. so that people can make better decisions going mm. forward. And that's where as a migrant, if you come here it becomes an issue. So if you're dealing with somebody who's actually um, has access to grandparents and parents, and they consistently make bad choices mm. in earshot of their parents and grandparents, and those guys have no influence on that. Mm. It's very difficult for somebody who's come from an ethnic background to, to look at that and think that is a, a family structure or family union that I can respect mm. because there is no transfer of of information and 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 solid background but yeah and i think this is why dictatorships are so dangerous because mm. it's one person going solo saying i've got the answers and solutions to everything mm. which is so not the case and neither should it be so obviously the democratic process is the best uh, political model but it's the same in families mm. you know everyone has their part to play everyone should be equally respected should contribute you know only when you get to a point when you're smart enough to contribute something i don't think you know there's a there's a part where okay with children you can ask their opinion about stuff in it but you can't it's not what they say can't govern what you do because they're not really sure what, 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 my daughter, what my daughter says governs everything i do okay and I'm not waiting for her to reach a certain level of wisdom because it's a relationship. And so what I'm really after in conversation with her and that kind of dialogical process is how do I impact you rather mm. than what can you tell me to improve my life or change the world. It's really about that relationship I have with her being a mirror into how I am as a human being mm. and therefore that tells me how I am with other people as well. Okay. Potentially, if that makes sense. No, I get it. Because what you're saying is an emotional kind of... But I'm talking about survival and life and how to deal with people out there in the, uh, in the, in the world beyond the structure that's set up for them in school. Because even in school, you have... There's, there's kids that have come from bad homes and there's kids that come from reasonably good homes and, and then there's the nice kids. Now, they're exposed to all of them. So they have to be taught that that is normal in society. It's, that, it's like that even when you finish school. It, it, it's just general. Even if you walk into a, a church, you'll have that. If you walk into a pub, you'll have that. It, it never subsides. 
So it's not it's not only happening to them, it's happening to everybody. And I feel like as a parent, it's your responsibility to teach them how to navigate that life uh, or to, to navigate life in general. Yeah, for sure. And I think within all of that, what's key is discipline. Mm. So growing up uh, ethnically, you know, there, there's clash of cultures, right? Yeah. At school... Uh, I'm the peacemaker. I make friends with everyone. I connect people. I'm friendly. I play sports, you know, singing, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Happy-go-lucky. Bubbly, all of that. At home, it is on. Yeah. We clean the house every day together as a family. doesn't matter. I started when I was five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You contribute as a five-year-old to cleaning the house Mm -hmm. and cooking, Particularly as the eldest and the girl, right? Yeah. Just culturally, this is what yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean the house every day, cook every day, and we study every day together as a family. And you know the discipline of setting aside time. So, for yeah. example, in my spare time, I would learn French oh, okay. at home yeah, as a child, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and that was my hobby. So th- there was that discipline ingrained into me. And so, you know, again culturally, if I didn't dust the furniture properly, I'd get punished. You'd never hear of that these days, right? <laughs> no. But how people ask me today, how can you do so much in your life? I'm like, how could you not? Yeah, you know, we've that's got what 24 I'm saying. hours in a day. So do, would you that say... Discipline that, I yeah, appreciate. Would you say that the way you were raised and the culture actually worked in your favour? Absolutely. Even though people today look back on that and would say, oh, that was child yeah, abuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was way too harsh and, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, Parenting has gone, I think, back to the 70s where it was kind of kids just do their own thing. Yeah, guys, dads, parents are on drugs and kids are just doing... <laughs> but without that foundational respect for my elders, yeah, the daily discipline of doing tasks yeah. and the respect of I need to contribute to this functioning machine that is called a home yeah. and a family life... You know, I wouldn't be the person I am today. But that's, you know, you, you what you're saying sounds so African, right? That I keep trying to say this across the board every time we have conversations and that the, the, the underlying, if you come from an ethnic country or the, a country outside of this country, right, and you move here, your culture is, whether it's Chinese culture, it's African culture... It, the, it has the same undertones. Mm. So what you're saying right now is what I know of African culture. Mm. It's the same. Mm. And it's and note that backdrop is what I, I advocate even mm. here because it, it when you grow up it makes you so much much better. You I mean I think it so. gives you a better platform to survive in an environment yeah. like this. To contribute to society, yeah. to be uh, compassionate and empathic towards our mankind because you've got more and yeah. you've got more to give. True. So what was it like with growing up in that kind of household and then having mates that were maybe in a different kind of household? So I was never allowed to have any sleepovers. I never wow. had one. Again, um, very cultural. Yeah. Have you had one yet? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> At my own house. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have sleepover. Yeah. <laughs> sleepover at my house. All the liberals in the house. <laughs> Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> that could be dangerous. Except, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. we won't say that. Yeah, yeah. So, 
yeah, look, um, definitely. As a child, I remember uh, translating for my parents, you know, mm. English documents into Hungarian. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. going with them to the shops and explaining things or mm. helping them um, understand, uh, you know, political structures or, you know, governance or whatever. Because we kids pick it up quicker and we yeah. kind of take that assumed knowledge for granted. Yeah. But our parents are so busy on survival mode, working so hard, three, four jobs each that, you know. Yeah. I mean, we kind of laughed about it, but what was that actually like for you? I mean, so it sounds like there was a huge disparity between your upbringing and the other oh, kids who could tough. have sleepovers. And I never had a childhood, if you want right. to kind of psychoanalyze me. Uh-huh. So you would struggle with the but R word. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd struggle with the R word like I do. No. Responsibility. So it sounds like from a young age you've been very responsible. Yeah. When have you ever had the chance to just play? I'll rest when I'm dead. Fair enough. But are you enjoying what you do now? Absolutely. Right? I are think responsibility is a positive yeah. thing, not, not a negative yeah, thing. I think, I think so too. I think responsibility gives you direction. Yeah. That's you why get, you guys are on that side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the anti Really? Yeah, yeah. No. He gave up. I think it makes maturity in people. Mm. I had my mature years this is, as a this child. Is, this is the mature side of the table. I'm, 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 I'm happy to not be mature sometimes and just play. No, but I mean, there's time to play, but there's also times when you must focus and get some stuff done. And must? Yeah. For why? For your own personal achievements. There's nothing. I've achieved anything I could ever dream of. You have? Yep. Oh, damn. 100%. You have no one to impress? Correct. No parents to... No. You just told them, it's a wrap, I'm doing my own thing now. I think my parents are happy with me just being me now. Yeah. I think that once upon a time they had expectations and the good Christian boy, and I did that for so long. And they gave up. They didn't oh, give up. Oh, you gave up. I, no one gave up. It was just a realisation that I'm my own person now mm-hmm. and I'll make my own choices. I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a life or a world without adults taking responsibility would look a bit chaotic. So for me, responsibility means structure. It means, um, you know, healthy boundaries. It means uh, adults thriving because in that environment, you actually feel safer, you know, and Mm. and you know that things are functioning well. For example, um, imagine if adults didn't take responsibility on the road. Yeah. We've all been to those countries, right? Mm-hmm. On the tuk-tuk. <laughs> in the we, we, we spoke about <laughs> right? this last week. So, I mean, we kind of need that structure, boundaries and safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like... Trust that other people will carry their stuff so yeah, you don't yeah, have to yeah. carry it. I think so. And everybody's yeah. got a load to carry. And if they carry it, then you don't have to. You know, if, if everybody's doing the right thing on the roads, then, you know, there'll be less accidents. No, it's true. So everybody's responsible for what they're doing, and 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 that's for their own lane. Yes, and that's the the transfer that we need to do, even for for children, is give Mm. them responsibility so that they can now. I think what's what's happened in this day and age is that children want to live in a world void of pressure. Yeah. Right? Anything that, that is, resembles pressure, 
that makes them uncomfortable is is something they that check they, out. They, they check out. And it, but you can't do that because life yeah. is all about pressure. Yeah. Right. You it. have to learn to handle it and, and manipulate it in the way you want it to. Yeah. And that's why I'm a shining diamond. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> See, that's how you get to become a shining cool diamond. Pressure, yeah. pressure makes diamond. That's it. That's 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 how you 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 navigate. You know, you make your way through a, a room full of vultures. Is you just stay calm under pressure and you do it. You, but majority crumble under pressure now, and it becomes such a big thing. And there goes anxiety and depression and all kinds of stuff. Because they haven't learned to deal with it from when they're kids. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, if you if you're a if a, a deer is born today, right? Family. That deer a deer a deer with no eyes? Do you know what that's called? What is it called? No idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> the dad jokes are coming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can tell he's got a a ten year old daughter. But 11, anyway, eleven year old. But look, what what I'm saying is it for 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 a deer in the wild, when they're born, they have approximately eight hours to learn how to walk, run, and follow mum. Because in that time, if a lion comes, wow. mum's not waiting for you. Wow, I love that story. Right. So for us, though, eighteen years later, this kid still doesn't know what to do in life. Right. He can't. He's not responsible. Not what doesn't want any level of pressure. A deer is born with pressure. And that's, there's predators everywhere. That's right. Ain't that we've, the truth? Yeah. And we've got to learn to navigate this world the way it is. I'm not going to go there. Don't instead worry. Of, instead of wishing that the world was a better place and, and raising children in a world that is a, is a fictional world. Yeah, absolutely. And what's I'm next, strong what's next for you in your political... I'm just cognizant yeah. we've got five minutes. Oh, wow, yeah. So you were, <laughs> it did, didn't it? you were disendorsed. So what's next? What's next oh, for stop you? It. There's more to me than that. Yes. <laughs> so a lot the more. first time I ran for parliament uh, was in Canberra in 2008 for the Liberals. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been working in politics and law in different roles. As I said, I've only been in Perth for 12 months and I had a crash course into politics here. Yeah, Because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. different to the East Coast, even of though it's course. the same country. Whereabouts were you before Perth? Canberra. Canberra. Yeah, so I played with the big boys there. Uh, so here it's definitely slower and quieter and, low, you know, slower pace, basically. Okay, yeah. yeah. But no I feel shoes. like I took responsibility for mm-hmm. some pretty big things over there. I experienced, um, you know, some really heavy pressure situations in Canberra and it really prepared me. Mm. So when I was disendorsed um, in January of this year, I was like, that's cool. I'll just run as an independent. I'm going to finish this race because I'm not a quitter. And so, again... Quitters never win and winners never quit. Yes. What are we talking about? That that was a fist bump, (laughs) just in case case the listeners want to know. Yeah. But isn't that taking responsibility for my constituency? That's true. For my stepping up and saying, I'll be your candidate. For Mm. my saying, this is what I want to be elected on and this is my platform. So, basically, you're disattaching yourself from that party and starting your own party, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I ran as an independent. Okay. Mm. And And I finished, uh, you know, with a few, a thousand votes or so. Mm. But 
um, you know what, I've got a platform here now that I can work with. Yeah. So I'm not stopping. Excellent. So what's what's next? How can we uh, keep track of how you're going and, you know, vote Support with you education? Whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's local elections coming up in Mount Ivis, oh, Rockingham, wow. that yeah. I'll be looking at, and there's also a federal election coming up. So I'm thinking about that already. Look, anytime you want to go for prime minister, I've got you. <laughs> I'll vote for you at I least. Got you, baby. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I'll be, when, it, when it's time, you got my vote at least one. So, so do it. I think you know it's it's important to follow your dream, and if, if this is your dream, uh, you know the the Zambian president. Well, yeah, previous president. He ran about four times and lost all four, and in the, in the fifth one, got wow. it. You know, it's just it's just what it is. If it, wow. if it, if you want to, if you want it, anytime there's no failure in life. I look at it's just a way that it won't work. So if you're willing to mm. adjust uh, and get to the right spot, then it'll eventually come. To be honest with you, mm. I never wanted anything to do with politics. Oh, because we've seen the most evil, cruel inhumane side of politics yeah, yeah, under yeah, yeah. a dictatorship regime. And so there was a lot of convincing that got me involved in the Liberal Party. Yeah. So I've been involved with them and campaigning for them for the last 14 years and it totally changed my career. So yeah. I went from the social services sector. I only worked know, in for 10 years. I only know one other Romanian person, a really good um, friend of mine, and she is really, really passionate about social justice. She's currently doing a PhD around that. And it's it's amazing how you guys can come from such kind of traumatic backgrounds and then be so invested in making sure that that doesn't happen Absolutely. to other people. So yeah. I think that's great. It's great to meet you. Yeah. would love to uh, talk more, but unfortunately we're out of time. Take us out, Dee. Yes. Well, that very exciting episode was another one of uh, Voice... Uh, voice of the international community experience it was a uh, lovely to have you in here and uh we hope to have you back to to continue these chats yes. and uh, it, it was a, it was a pleasure it, it just doesn't seem like an hour was enough so that went by so quick it did Oh yeah, we had so much to discuss. I think we only touched on little bits of your... your, your we didn't even get to high school or, or uni. Oh, uni. But, oh, you God's know. part in COVID. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh. It's been so much fun, guys. Yeah, so at that point is when we say thank you for allowing yourself to be had. Yes. Peace. Laters. <laughs>